afternoon, folks. Today is Saturday, February 18th, 2017, and welcome to a special edition of Voices for Racial Healing, the podcast on Blog Talk Radio. We're live, and I'm so glad you're here with me today. I'm your host, Tishka Smith. And before we get started with today's show featuring guests Tim Viola and Chris Mendoza, I wanted to remind everyone to join me and featured guest Ingrid Shepard, founder and executive director of the One Less Foundation, next Friday, February 24th, 2017, at 12 noon Eastern Time. Let me tell you a little bit about the One Less Foundation. It's a 501c3 nonprofit, and it's based here in, in Philadelphia in the Northwest section. It seeks to bridge the gap between those residing in poverty and the rest of society, financial education, and teaching about the opportunities that life has for each of us. They offer an excellent suite of programs that instill financial responsibility, encourage participants to learn about life outside of their normal environment. They work to work hard to achieve goals they never knew they could dream and inspire individuals, families, and communities to become more than they thought possible. Among other things, Ingrid and I will be talking about the potential impacts Donald Trump's policy agenda will have on current anti-poverty and financial literacy initiatives that target and assist vulnerable communities throughout the country. I will be posting up more detailed information about the upcoming episode over at blogtalkradio.com backslash Voices for Racial Healing. I encourage you to follow our Blog Talk Radio channel so you can get the latest information on upcoming shows. We're on the, the web at VoicesForRacialHealing.com. We have a Twitter account at Heal Racism USA. You can get information on Instagram about the podcast at Racism is a Sickness. And you can follow me, Tishka Smith, on Instagram and Twitter at I am Tishka Smith. One more thing, if you are engaged in work like the One Less Foundation and are concerned about Trump's policy agenda and its impacts on vulnerable communities, please join us next Friday, Friday, uh, February 24th at 12 noon. Okay, I'm ready to get started. We have a lot of ground to cover today, and I'm really looking forward to a robust discussion with today's featured guests, Americano filmmakers Tim Viola and Chris Mendoza. The chat room is open, and we will be taking calls at area code 516-387-1796. Okay, here we go. Okay, Tim, Chris, good afternoon, and welcome to Voices for Racial Healing. Are you there? Hey, Tishka. How are you? This is Chris. Hi, Chris. Tim, are you there? Tishka, hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I can hear both of you. Welcome, and good afternoon. Thanks so much Thanks for having for us. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here in Philly. Uh, I don't know, are you all here? Are you elsewhere, or...? I am on the West Coast in Huntington Beach, uh, and it is. Oh, okay. I, I came here to escape the Philly weather, and uh, it's actually <laughs> sunnier and nicer in Philadelphia. And I'm I'm looking at rainy skies right now on the beach. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> our weather is unpredictable, particularly around this time. So we we lucked out today. Um, I'm really thrilled to have you both uh, with me today to talk about your new project, 
um, a short film called Americano. Um, Tim, you are the writer and director of this of this uh, project, and Chris, your producer. So I want to jump right in and and start with a few questions. Um, we we had a chance. Tim and I had a chance. We had a chance to talk a little bit before um, before planning this episode. And one of the things that um, I think viewers would want to hear is what in, what what events and um, things that happened in you know the recent past inspire you to make this film. Actually, either one of you. Thing, the the fascinating thing about the subject matter was that it was really the inception came almost about a year and a half ago before some of our current um, political actors uh, came on mm-hmm. the stage. So the fact that it was, you know, being conceived a year and a half ago says something of the state that we were all in at the time. And that that's only been exacerbated by recent events. Um, but okay. really it, to be completely honest with you, it really just was born from my Facebook feed. It was looking at, um, just all of the events that were starting to kind of unravel um, across the country. Um, everything from, mm-hmm. you know, looking at some of the police brutality we've been seeing, um, some of the increased racial tensions that we're seeing, um, just a general sense of discontent, just that, that level rising. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm, a, I'm a new dad, so I've been very sensitive to the world that my two boys are coming into. And mm-hmm. I was unsatisfied with that. So it just started brewing from there. And then it did kind of become more and more obvious what the story was going to be when I started seeing some of the um, events happen in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. When the Syrian mm-hmm. crisis started to just explode in front of our eyes, yeah. um, you couldn't help be moved by that. You know, even when you, all of us just kind of, our, our hearts stopped when we saw Omron Daknish in that ambulance in Aleppo. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- mm-hmm. some of that, some of those key moments that we kept seeing, I c- could not erase from my brain. It was just one of those things where um, I felt irresponsible to not address it in the, mm-hmm. in the way that I knew how, and that's through film. Okay. Um, so you talked about social media and, and watching your, your, your Facebook feed in particular um, react to um, a number of different um, events over the last year or two. Um, As you began promoting the fact that you were going to make this project, that you were going to proceed with this project, how how have people reacted to that? Well, I I know from my end, and I'll let Chris chime in with this too, um, Mm -hmm. there was a bit of a surprise. Um, You know, I think with... You know, just I think just for for clarity, I'm a I'm a 35 year old white male. Um, okay. So a lot of my um, I think a lot of my circles were expecting. They knew I was working on a film, and they were mm-hmm. when they heard the subject matter. I think there was a everyone I told in person there was this momentary pause, and then the very next question was interesting. Why? <laughs> mm. <laughs> to kind of explain you know where we were coming from and the fact that. This is a, it's a story that is bigger than me and it's bigger mm-hmm. than I think a lot of what my circles are, are used to addressing. Um, mm-hmm. was surprising. 
there it was definitely a bit of a surprise, but also an immediate sense of support. Um, you know, especially once I was, I was very quiet about it during the development process. Chris was plugged in pretty much from the beginning, uh, but it was in terms of kind of letting the story cascade out with our, our friends and family, there was, you know, there was a, an initial, okay, a little bit surprised, but then everyone started really coming on board. And then once we really started pushing the social media piece and really started talking about it at, at, you know, at family events and, and parties, things like that, uh, there was a real adoption of the idea. And that's when everyone started getting really excited. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chris, did you want to add in that? Yeah, I want to say the the reception has kind of been the same on uh, on my end in terms of my social circles. Um, as mentioned, Tim kind of started writing this uh, well over a year ago, and um, admittedly, we had a couple other projects in in the last, I'd say, two three years that uh, were starting to develop, and we talked about, and you know, may or may not have kind of gotten more attention or energy than they have they deserve to um, kind of get off the ground. But as kind of uh, things started to snowball in the political scene, uh, you know, we spoke to each other and we're like, we absolutely have to make this film. This can't be one of those projects that we talk about and talk about over beers and never make. Um, and kind of when we started talking about this project, to a lot of friends uh, in social media and also in, in personal interactions, um, I think the support has been nothing but positive. Uh, people, uh, you know, can't stop saying how timely this is and how, how much, uh, you know, this is a story that is kind of on, on top of mind and, and to do it in a, in a narrative, uh, you know, fictionalized format as well, um, not to overly dramatize it, but, you know, it, it is a, a, a solid uh, example of art imitating life, but really uh, that story has kind of uh, been on, on everyone's mind and I, I'm hoping we do it justice by just telling it the right way in the best way we possibly can. Okay. Um I agree. I mean, I think that um, this project is certainly timely. Uh, it's going to be important. I think it'll be a, um, an excellent conversation starter for those who who have who may have opted to maybe stay out of the ongoing conversation about about um, immigration reform, immigration policy, um, the involvement of law enforcement. Um, you know, in terms of enforcing policy and, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, really, I think where where we are right now is we're living in a in a moment where people are kind of forced to take sides. You know, people are being forced to to choose which which side are you on uh, in terms of the direction in which this country is going. And we'll get to um, talking a little bit more in depth about the notion of patriotism and how that notion is, is, is shifting and how it shifted historically. I'm hoping Kimberly Bonner will join us um, soon to talk about that from her perspective as, as a veteran and as a sociologist. Um, but in the meantime, you know, we're seeing people getting off the sidelines and saying, you know, enough is enough. And, you know, with that question in mind, what do you, what do you want viewers to do slash think about slash remember once they see your film, once it's done, once it's out there for people to consume? That's a great question. Um, I, I, for me, I, I definitely think um, you, you talk about taking sides here um, and with everything kind of being so polarizing and, and divisive out there in the climate, 
it's a uh, it's it's hard for someone to not have an opinion. I think there are people that choose to stay silent um, and definitely have an opinion, but are not quite ready to express themselves. Um, I, I was definitely one of those people. Um, I, I, I'm not the most political person. Uh, wasn't the first to kind of be fighting and being an activist for a lot of things that I did have core beliefs and values in. Um, but you know, with things going on, I, I definitely feel like for me, it's 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 no longer my time to be silent. And, and producing this film is part of my way of expressing myself. Um, and and I hope you know not to. Uh, inspire people to be yelling at the rooftops after this film, but to really um, recollect them, you know, collect themselves and kind of know where they stand here and, and know that they're not alone in, in these kind of feelings. There are people that uh, have these same kind of feelings and thoughts about everything going on that just aren't expressing them. And that there are different ways to express yourself, whether it's through, you know, through a film, through photography, through other means of arts or anything else, you know, being the, the voice shouting on the rooftops or um, out, out there kind of being the loudest voices isn't the only way to express yourself. And I'm hoping people mm -hmm. kind of find their own voice and find their own way to express themselves uh, to, you know, just be agents of uh, change and kind of stand up for things that they believe in. Yeah. And I, th I think when we look at, there. and Chris touched on a lot of the kind of the key ideas around, around what Isaac is about, who's the main character of the film. Um, Isaac was created to basically be all of us. He's going through, in the beginning of the film, he's struggling with a decision to speak out, to step up, um, to confront the forces that are going against what all of us are, are having a hard time with. Um, and we're watching him kind of go through that decision-making process. Essentially, what, what we're hoping to do is that the audience can relate to that. You know, we were on the sidelines before we're watching this thing unraveling in front of us. We want to get involved. We don't know how. Um, and in this story, the protagonist, Isaac, has the ability to get involved. And we're watching him make that decision. Um, you know, I also think, too, when we're looking at the what is going on right now, um, part of the statement, the message in the, in the film is, it's, it's asking folks to consider getting involved, you know, stepping up and stepping into the ring. Um, and as Chris said, that could be any form. It could be through film, through painting, through photography. It could be through writing. Um, it could be through just volunteering. It could be through even entering your own community politics to make that difference, even calling a congressman mm -hmm. to voice your concern. I think all these things have not been happening for a very long period of time. Um, and mm -hmm. hopefully this, this film will show you know, it doesn't matter what your background is, where you came from. You don't even have to be a citizen. The fact is that you're, you're being inspired to step up and do something. Uh, and that's something that I've been experiencing uh, even when, you know, the, the, the moment the election happened, there was this collective wake-up call of, oh, my God, what just happened? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think, you know, there is, during that process, there was, a lot of, there was a lot of whitewashing with opinions. So, you know, looking at, there's a very large body of people who were saying, you know, don't do those Facebook rants. Don't, you know, don't jump on Twitter and be angry. And, and I, I disagree with that in some ways. It's, it's a matter of, you know, finding that, that kind of emotion that you're, that you're feeling and channeling it somehow um, to okay. being productive. And I think that's kind of when, when we say walk away from the film, we want to feel like that is okay. It's, it's empowering yourself to do that. Mm-hmm. So 
in terms of where where this film will be available, what are what are your plans for that in terms of distribution? So first and foremost, um, I think the uh, it, it's important to note that we are kind of doing pre-production. Uh, we are slated right. to shoot in Philadelphia uh, at the end of March. Mm-hmm. We are doing pre-production simultaneously while trying to uh, raise funds and kickstart this online. Um, and there mm-hmm. has been a decent amount of uh, support, so we're thankful for that. Uh, so our, our kind of first and foremost goal is to make sure we, we uh, are able to raise the funds and, and get the film made. Uh, secondly, we uh, do plan to um, also uh, submit it to film festivals, trying to really just get as many eyes as it on uh, eyes on it as possible uh, to really spread the word. Um, we plan to do a lot of grassroots campaign around it, uh, and and kind of also possibly uh, fund our own screening uh, with with support of the community uh, here in Philadelphia. Try to kind of uh, do our own premiere, if you will, and. Uh, after that, we'll we'll see kind of how the film festival circuit works. Plan to also um, possibly self-distribute online. It's a it's a short film. Um, I don't know if that was mentioned. Uh, it is probably going to be in the twenty to twenty-five minute range in terms of mm-hmm. the length. So uh, the market for that is fairly limited. So uh, in really kind of trying to distribute online and 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 do a grassroots campaign around is the best way we're going to get most eyes on it. Mhm. Yeah, you mentioned pre-production. I knew that and. And we did mention it was a short film. Um, talk talk a little bit more about what how pre-production is going, um, and then a little bit more about your Kickstarter campaign, which is going sure. on right now. Absolutely. Maybe I, I could talk about the pre-production a little bit, and um, Tim can chime in on the on the campaign that um, we have going up. But uh, on the pre-production side. We've definitely got all the elements uh, really coming together. Uh, just the, just as mentioned, the support around the project, the belief in the project, kind of carries through from, from uh, you know, the producer director level down to the cast and crew, uh, and and even other folks that are just willing to help. Um, you know, the the cast and crew have all kind of taken pay cuts to be part of this. We are, uh, tr- uh, everyone has kind of uh, come on board. I want to say mainly because they're all in the same boat as Tim and I and, and other folks that support it. Um, everyone from our, our main actor, uh, Adam Boudron, who, who is, uh, uh, you know, the, the son of a, uh, a refugee or sorry, I'm sorry, an immigrant. Um, they all have a personal connection to, to the story. Um, and everyone kind of either just wants to be part of it or, or, uh, you know, re- really wants to kind of get behind it and support it. So we, uh, we've got a get great cast and crew. Um, and, in terms of getting all the pieces together, uh, I would say 90% of the cast and crew are, are coming together and uh, we've got some support on the local Philadelphia community as well. We'll be shooting in the, uh, some, some small businesses. Um, at this point, I, I don't want to kind of name any businesses that are sure. attached to it, but um, yeah, we are shooting in some local coffee shops. We're shooting at an mm-hmm. uh, independent hall in, um, in Old City and uh, a couple other uh, restaurants and, and, and uh, businesses in the area. So in terms of integrating ourselves into the Philly scene, there's definitely been uh, uh, some good support there as well. Um, mm-hmm. But as I mentioned, everyone's kind of trying to take a pay cut in, in order to be part of this, um, you know, to do a short film in the range of uh, 20, 20, what, 25 minutes for $15,000 is a tall order. So, you know, I could let Tim kind of chat about the Kickstarter bit for a little. 
Yeah, okay. as Chris said, he was, um, you know, we're, we're really trying to, we have some amazing talent coming together that has coming from all different, all different realms of the business. We have our, our cinematographer, um, Guillermo Cameo, who's done some magnificent work. Um, and he's, he's bringing his team down. We have some New York actors. We have some Philadelphia actors, Philadelphia crew. So it's a, just a really good mix of people coming together. And the campaign, um, really, we tried on Kickstarter, really tried to celebrate the story itself, but also kind of the motivation behind it. And all those folks are coming together to make this happen. Um, and so the, the, the campaign itself actually ends at the end of the month. And we've got, I think we've got about 10 days to go. We've got 63 backers. Uh, we're almost mm-hmm. at uh, $12,000 out of our 15. So we're, um, we're getting there. Good momentum. Um, a lot of great feedback and support. We're having, I think, one of the most amazing things uh, about the crowdfunding pieces that you get complete strangers who you've never met before coming yeah. forward and saying, I believe in you, I believe in your team, and I believe in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been absolutely moving to me to actually see people. On the, I've, some folks on the West Coast, um, overseas, reached out to me and said, listen, Tim, I've never met you before, but I am, I'm completely behind you and your team. Um, and, the, and they'll, put, they'll back that up with, with a donation. So that's been um, inspiring in addition to the story we're already telling. So to see that come through has been, it's been pretty profound. So the Kickstarter campaign, and when, when we wrap up, I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to share links um, and, you know, links to the campaign and to your social media um, so people can go check it out. And I've, I've, I've posted things on the episode, links on the episode page as well. Um, so I encourage people to go check check out all the ranges of information about this amazing project right now and support it. <laughs> um, so I want to jump. I want to talk a little bit about Philadelphia. I live here. I've been here six years. Um, you know, really have had a chance to really dig into the historical significance of this city. You're going to be shooting this project here in Philadelphia. Tell me about the significance of Philadelphia for you, um, having it be the backdrop of your project. It really goes back to the very core history of Philly. So if you look at, you know, 250 years ago, the country started right there um, in Old City, in that, in that building. So I think that was it was critical to me to base the story in a setting like that, because some of the, the ideas that we are challenging um, in the script is based on that original promise that came out of that room in 1776. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically I think the, the second scene in, in the film is right there on, on, in the indie hall. And I think that was just, it, to me, there was no other, there was no other place except the story. I did mm-hmm. think about, I was toying with the idea of it being around maybe Battery Park in New York, and we see the Statue of Liberty, which I think was a, a very strong visual for the immigration line in the story. But I thought it was actually mm-hmm. more important to tie it to kind of the beginnings of the country, because I feel like we have gone so far away from the spirit and the promise that was made in Philly that we mm-hmm. need to bring it back to the roots of what, yeah. you know, what was started. So that was just, that, that was a no brainer for me. 
Um, I know Chris and I were going back and forth, like, you know, should we, should we shoot in New York? Can we shoot in other places? And I, and, you know, other projects we've actually discussed doing other, doing other locations, but to me, this had to be based in Philly. Yeah, I agree with you on the, on the, on the idea of the country very so far away from the original intent of the founders who were here in Philadelphia, particularly in, in old city, um, drafting these documents, debating, you know, um, you know, there was a battle going on, you know what I mean? It was, it, 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 it this is living history. Um, and, and Philadelphia to me is the, um, I call it the ground zero of American democracy. And when you think about Philadelphia as a city um, and how it in a lot of ways has thrived, but yet in a lot of ways it has failed a significant number of, of, of citizens here who live here, who are native born. Um, you know, I think shedding the spot, you know, sharing, you know, putting a spotlight on Philadelphia um, critiquing Philadelphia, incorporating Philadelphia into your story makes a lot of sense to me. And I, and I hope that it brings attention to um, this great city and reinforces for people its place in the history of this country. Um, I know you both have ties here to Philadelphia. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I actually was Born in New York, raised in North Jersey, and uh, moved to Philadelphia in late 2010, early 2011, uh, after marrying my wife. Uh, she's from the area, and uh, that, to be honest, uh, all the time growing up, I always, when, I, when I said the city, I always meant New York City, and um, mm-hmm. I would say it was a, a couple years ago, that was a point where I, I felt like I was finally a Philadelphian uh, when we're in the suburbs or South Jersey, and I say the city, all of a sudden I meant Philadelphia. And, um, you know, it's taken a little while to grow on me, especially coming from a big city like uh, New York. But uh, it, it's, it, there's definitely a, a sense of, um, you know, being part of Philly and, and, and really just representing Philly as far as, uh, you know, as far as business goes, as far as making this film, um, and even just the, the filmmaking community uh, in general. I, I, I definitely think, um, you know, Philly has a way of, of just, after being here for a little bit and feeling some, some kind of pride in Philly, I think uh, prior to even recent past, uh, I, I never really took offense when someone took a shot at Philly. And, and now, you know, things like the DNC happened in Philly and people are making fun of Philly as far as the logistics and it was a failure and everything like that. I, I took personal offense to that <laughs> being a Philadelphian. So <laughs> I, I definitely uh, feel like I've nested and I'm a Philadelphian at heart these days. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you on that. Um, I've lived in a lot of places, but I, I call Philadelphia home and um, I don't know if I'd go that far with it, but I definitely talk Philly up and I, you know, I'd let my, my own body of work show the love that I have and respect that I have for this city. And I, and I often wonder why Philadelphia sells itself short. And, you know, you understand kind of the dynamic between Philadelphia and New York and lives in the shadows, so on and so forth. But, I mean, in terms of just its historical significance, it's, there's no other place that matches it. Um, you know, without Philadelphia, there wouldn't have been in America, in my opinion. Um, what about you, Tim? What's your connection to Philadelphia? Uh, born and bred, Philly. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've been here my whole life. It's one of those things where, um, and you'll find this with probably a good portion of the folks who have who were born here. We have we have a hard time leaving, or somehow we find <laughs> our way back. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yep. um, so that it's, it's the um, I call it having the, uh, the escape velocity. If you really want to leave, you got to really you got to really go for it. Um, but it's been I, I've known the city in its darkest days. Since I've mm-hmm. been around, um, and I'm seeing it completely head into the stratosphere um, mm-hmm. even in the past 10 years. Uh, where Chris's studio is based, you know, that, that whole area 10 years ago wouldn't have been a safe place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, it's flourishing. It's an it's a, mm-hmm. it's a absolutely fantastic part of the city. And, it's, um, and we're seeing that in all, all parts of Philly. It's becoming an incredibly uh, diverse, uh, powerful food scene. Um, yes, yes. And there was, there, I believe there was a recent study done that actually said, you know, a lot of millennials want to live in New York, but Philly matches all their values. Um, so it's a it's definitely <laughs> affordability a, as well. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Well, it, uh, yeah, it's affordable. Like, you know, <laughs> hello. I mean, it's just that's part of the reason I I worked in New York in another um, wearing a, a completely different hat for about four years. And um, I remember coming to Philadelphia for the first time for a conference back in uh, 2007. And I got here and I was like, I could live here, having no idea, obviously, that I would eventually come to live here. Um, but it's, it's a fantastic place. I mean, compared to New York, obviously, no, nothing compares to New York in terms of just, you know, sheer size and, 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 and breadth of offerings and amenities and you know, the, the sheer diversity, but it's, to me, it's, it's the right amount of big city and in the neighborhood sort of flavor that you get. Um, and, and that's why I love it. I mean, will I stay here forever? I don't know, but, um, luckily I'm not a native, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't have that sort of existential crisis (laughs) about, about, you know, I have, I have someone who told me, I'll li- I was born here and I'll die here. And I was like, that's, 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 that's devotion. <laughs> you know, I don't, that's devotion. And, and you're right. Some, yeah. There are a lot of people who feel that way. And I know why I get it. It's a great city. And it, it, it has the grittiness. It has, it has the cosmopolitan flavor, um, you know, the neighborhood cultures, um, you know, the food is great. You know, if you like sports, you can do that. But for me, overall, it's about the history, the historical significance of, of place. Um, you know, if you walk up and down streets, you'll come across landmarks and you'll come across placards that, that talk about in this spot, such and such happened. I lived in Germantown for a number of years and you know, a lot of stuff happened in Germantown. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, G- Germantown was, was a major player during the Revolutionary War. Um, Washington, you know, George Washington spent some time up there. Um, you know, there are a number of house museums devoted to the early history of Germantown, and you find that a, a number of players were engaged in, in fighting the war on behalf of, of the Patriots. So getting into patriotism. So your film challenges what it means to be a patriot, what it, 
what does the Patriot look like? Who's a Patriot? What does that all mean? So I, I want you to talk a little bit about how you tackle this very important but tough question. That is the central piece of, of the story. And I would say that going back to what you, one of your first questions about what do you want the audience to walk away with with this movie, mm-hmm. that's one of the big ones is challenging your idea of a patriot. Um, mm-hmm. So when, when we think of it, and Tishka, you and I were talking about this at, at, at one point before, is, mm-hmm. um, and Chris and I have even had conversations around this as well, it's, you know, you, I think there's this idea of it being this, um, you know, this kind of flag-bearing, uh, really aggressive, shouting protester or, um, you know, someone who's, um, you know, loves the military, you know, you, this classic kind of World War II posters of, of the soldier going off to battle kind of thing. There's uh, people have different definitions of what it means, but there is this idea that is in your head um, that you have to be white. You know, you're, 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 you're a soldier. Um, you're, you're, you know, you're a native um, to, to the country. And I wanted to take that and flip it on, flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. So in our story, we're suggesting something a little different that the Patriot that we need right now is not a citizen. Uh, he's not white and he believes in something that all of us believe in. And that's the original cause of why we're all here right now in this country. The tying it back to what happened in Philly in 1776, that it doesn't matter where you're from, what your background is, who you worship, all of that doesn't matter. If you believe in the cause that was started right here, you have a chance and you have, you have an opportunity to fight for that. And I don't, I don't believe that we get to decide who that is. But if you're willing to step up and fight for that cause, for the, for the good, um, that's what we're saying in this film, that, that you, 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 you need to have a chance. Chris, did you have anything to add to that? Um, really just, uh, I, I, I definitely everything that Tim said, but um, really just hoping that everyone does find uh, that, that thread of patriotism in them. Um, like Tim said, you don't have to be born here. Or you don't have to uh, kind of fit that mold of the, uh, the, you know, the all-American patriot. Um, I myself, I'm a, I, I'm a product of an immigrant story. My parents uh, moved here in the 70s. Uh, late 70s from the Philippines, and um, you know, I, I was born here, and uh, I, I I don't want to be excluded from that conversation um, of you know having that American pride or that U.S. prider. Um, and I, if anything, I, I do feel like you know this is a day or two after the day without immigrants uh, that you know that that, that has been mm-hmm. trending. But um, looking at everything through that lens, I, I think the immigrants and, and other folks coming into the into uh into the u.s uh you can't ignore that uh you can't be a a patriot or have u.s pride and ignore that whole segment of uh of people in terms of what they bring to this country and what this country is all about um you know my my folks kind of left the philippines during martial law in the 70s under uh the corrupt uh, philippine president ferdinand marcos and kind of 
I don't know. To be to be, it's an eerily similar, uh, eerily similar climate for them back then of uh, you know martial law and and just trying to find the promise of a, a better life and knowing that they were going to start a family and uh, you know heading to the U.S. with really um, not much uh, not much in their pockets but just kind of uh, chasing that so-called American dream that you know has kind of uh, fallen to the wayside. Uh, you know. I think back then people were still even up to uh, up to then thinking they had come to America and it was, you know, this warm embrace that was just willing to take them in. And I think that's the American dream that uh, we grow up in school uh, being taught. We grow up in history class saying streets are paved with gold and this and that. But the reality is, you know, folks have that, uh, you know, especially in third world countries and other countries, folks have that image of America. Uh, when they and when they get here, you know they they, they experience anything but that. You know they, they experience racism, they experience mm-hmm. rejection, and yeah. things like that. So to kind of travel at length and and all that to, with that American dream, with this with this promise of hope, and uh, you know be spit out on the other end and and feel um, not wanted is is definitely a um, is definitely you know the the flip side of it all. So um, yeah, I, I think for me that that's the you know, that's definitely a, a personal connection to, uh, you know, the whole immigrant side of it, the whole racial side of it, because um, there's a lot to be said there that uh, I could, you know, talk and talk about. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, let me let me go back to what you said about flipping notions of patriotism on its head. Um, and at the center of this story is Isaac, a Syrian refugee. And but the story is being told through um, the eyes of a white male, um, and you're you're basically saying let's revisit notions, ideas of patriotism. Let's challenge these notions. How do you think people are going to respond to? the idea of a white man looking, looking at this question through the eyes of a Syrian refugee? That's a very good question. So one of the key audiences for this film is the white America um, who just voted in our new president. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very important to say that there's no policy arguments in this film. I mean, you could say that there's a slight hand with the preference on immigration. Um, but outside of that, it's an emotional story that we get behind this protagonist, Isaac, and we follow him through this journey of making a decision whether or not to become this new kind of patriot. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, there's a large portion of this country that felt very strongly we were headed in the wrong direction, that Mm -hmm. their voices were not being heard, um, that live in what I would call a bubble in some ways. Um, But, you know, I think a lot of that is, and you know, the further away we've got away from November 8th, the more I'm learning, Um, you know, and, and you start to see, more of these stories come out and in my circles I'm learning more just by listening. I've stopped talking. I, I've been a lot of, I've been a very heavy handed voice on, on social in my, in my circles. I've been, I've been confronting folks who have been coming out and saying some pretty, pretty hurtful things to um, 
about friends of mine, about um, friends who are in my, my outer circle. And I'm, you know, I've been confronting that, but I've, I've shifted back to listening for a little while because I, I want to get in their head. And when you, when you listen to them, you hear a lot of fear. There is a tremendous amount of fear. And when you look at the, the history of the United States, that has been a reoccurring theme. We go through a, a traumatic events um, and our example would be 9-11. And these, just these, this undertow of fear just keeps grabbing them. And then you have mm-hmm. folks like um, the far right and you have folks like Trump who are fanning the flame under that fear and it gets worse and worse. And so they, they don't have anywhere to turn and they're being told to disregard um, media outlets. They're being told to distrust folks who are trying to help level the playing field and help bring truth back into the conversation. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm looking at that as I am helping them come along this journey because I know, I know what they're thinking. Um, and I think those are, oh, that's a big audience that needs to see and experience a new kind of patriot. Because I think until they start to see more of these stories, I'm not going to be the only one doing this. There's going to be a lot more coming, coming behind me and alongside of me mm-hmm. and already coming out right now um, mm-hmm. that are going to be talking about this very subject. And I think there is knowing that audience really well, I know what to look for and how to show them a new kind of a, a vision of someone who isn't from here, someone who believes something different than they believe, but we're all on the same team. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that was, that's something really important for me. I, I think it's also really important to note that, um, you know, not to look at this as a, uh, like you, you mentioned, Tishka, you know, not, not to look at this film as a white man telling the immigrant story for them, um, you know, because, uh, you know, as mentioned, Tim has been kind of very conscious and aware of that. And even in mm-hmm. the script writing and uh, casting process, um, you know, a, a lot has kind of been injected into these characters after we've casted and spoken to our, our lead actors and, uh, you know, further research has kind of been done to make sure, you know, we're not telling anyone's story on their behalf. Um, I, I, there, there was definitely a lot of dialogue between Tim and some of the actors after we casted them in, in terms of mm-hmm. you know, what, what piece of your culture and, and your history and, and, and quite frankly, just your background in terms of how it relates to the lens of, of this story, um, how can we inject that into your character, make these more richer and believable characters so that, um, you know, they're not just two dimensional characters on a page that, um, you know, someone kind of wrote from an outside perspective. I definitely think, um, you know, there has been a lot of work there in terms of making sure we're not only telling a story that we believe in, but, you know, telling the most accurate story possibly can um, in, in the lens of, you know, the political climate, the racial climate, and, and, and really all the actors and players that are involved. Mm-hmm. I think I, yeah, I wrote down cultural sensitivity um, and and being very mindful of where voice begins, where it ends, and how you tell stories um, on behalf of of other groups. How do you think um, the refugee community in general, the immigrant refugee community, will will respond to this to this project? I want to say, uh, well, how are you hoping they'll yeah, respond? That's, I, I, because we can exactly never predict. Exactly, I was going <laughs> um, exactly. to say, you know, we can we can hope that um, that they're they're they could take solace in that their voices are being represented uh, 
you know, in another way, I think, um, you know, between the news and um, someone else uh, either going on TV or going out to protest and, and um, you know, speaking, speaking their mind uh, in support of the refugees, um, that's definitely great. And um, I, I, I definitely think that's needed. I think the medium of film is, for me, part of what I love about it is, uh, you know, it, we're telling a story here. We're not um, rolling out any kind of political agenda, like Tim said, or we're not um, we're not trying to make this uh, this about um, you know the left or the right or anti this or anti right. that. The, the, the mm-hmm. point is, we're 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 telling a human story here. We're telling one person's story, and uh, I'm I'm hoping that the refugee community could kind of see themselves in Isaac, uh, see themselves in Antonia, which is, uh, you know, the female uh, co-star that is, plays uh, Isaac's wife, and um, really know that, uh, you know, their story is, is being told in a way that, um, you know, just connects to people in a, in a human way um, and kind of appreciate the, uh, the story being told in that regard. Mm-hmm. So I want to go back, Tim. You mentioned the, the idea of fear. Um, being one of the prevalent emotions being felt by key audience that you're targeting, um, particularly whites who white people who voted for Trump, um, fear, not knowing who to trust, not knowing where to turn to get information, um, the, the fake news, not being able to trust mainstream media. Um, but then there's another level of fear being experienced by the immigrant and refugee community, right? We're seeing, you know, all kinds of stuff flying um, in response to the executive orders that John, uh, that Don, Donald Trump issued um, that were challenged in court, thank goodness. And now there are um, reports about a plan to um, bring in the National Guard to, you know, round up immigrants. We had a round of ice raids last week. Um, so there's fear on that side too. How do you think, how do you, how do you address the idea of fear and how we conquer fear as human beings in this, in this project? So we talked about one of the audience groups being mm-hmm. the, the, the one side of this conversation. The other mm-hmm. audience that we want to reach out to is our Muslim community and the immigrant mm-hmm. community who are feeling tremendous fear, like you said, with these raids. They don't even know what's going to happen. As a matter of fact, one of our, um, one of the folks we were talking to has uh, a green card. She is nervous. Like there's mm. a lot of, of just anxiety around what is coming up. Um, so when we look at, fear in the context of the film, mm-hmm. it's, it, it really is, that is the central kind of experience that Isaac is going through. It's, it's the fear of, do I step up and confront the man who's promising the citizenship to me, who's actually taking it away from him? Um, mm-hmm. do you, does, he, does he confront that or does it keep his head low and just hope for the best? So we're actually, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're proposing that in, in the film, we follow Isaac along this decision journey that he's making. Um, mm-hmm. And he is confronting that fear head on and, and taking steps. I don't want to spoil the story, but he's taking steps right. that um, take that fear, 
he channels it and he steps up in, in a way that um, really kind of takes, takes account of, he forces accountability on those who are, who are running from it. Um, so it, it's really about an active protagonist doing the right thing um, in kind of coming out of that fear that he's experiencing in the beginning of the film. Yeah. And, and, and to jump in there, um, mm-hmm. you know, you look at uh, antonyms of fear, you know, what's the flip side of fear. There's always a, a yin to the yang and, and vice versa. Uh, right. you know, the opposite of fear being courage, bravery, um, you know, hope. Uh, and I think there, there's always a flip side of that. And, and that's part of the story we're telling here. There is this fear, but on the other side, um, you know, there's a little bit of that, that courage and, and hope that I think, um, you know, we, we all have that we're going to come out of this on the other side um, just fine. And I think anything we could kind of, um, instill and inspire that yeah we're, we're not in this hopeless hopeless battle that we're not in this uh you know while maybe an uphill battle to kind of let voices be heard and and kind of things be done um it's it's not a hopeless battle there there is a there is a light at the end of the tunnel on the other side and, and just to kind of keep fighting for that yeah um yeah i wrote as you were writing the antonym of fear the opposite of fear hope I mean, courage and bravery, and then I will hope, you know, the opposite of hopelessness. Um, do you think there's a sense of hopelessness? hopelessness? I mean, this is a way off question, but <laughs> among those who voted for Trump and maybe feeling a little bit of buyer's remorse, I know there's some Twitter accounts and Facebook groups of people who regretted voting for Trump. <laughs> um but do you think they'll come to that at some point? What do you think it'll take for them to maybe realize, ah, maybe this wasn't a good idea? Oh. I mean, I really hope it doesn't take a catastrophic national security event for them to kind of wake up and realize that, um, you know, but I, I definitely, I, I, I really feel like seeing the, the outcomes, um, you know, the consequence of a lot of these decisions come into play. It's not just these decisions being made that everyone could rally around and be, you know, um, you know, cheer on that side and say, you know, these executives being order signed and great, good for us. But once you kind of see the consequence of not just, uh, you know, agendas being pulled out, but really the people affected by these decisions, I, I, I would hope that, um, you know, the, the, the human and, humans and everyone kind of uh, see that and relate to that and, and know that there are lives being affected, uh, you know, by these decisions that are really, um, you know, more than just a, a stroke of a pen. Yeah. Uh, I wrote, I tweeted, I said, you know, it would take an extinction level event for people to maybe wake up and realize, Oh shit. What, what do we, <laughs> this is not going well. This is not, this maybe wasn't a good idea. Uh, I hope not. And what I, what I hope this, that people take away from this project is that there's still time to step up and do something. Um, whether it's, you know, just having a conversation with someone that you don't know that you may not understand. It doesn't uh, run in your circle. Uh, your sphere of influence, stepping outside of that and engaging someone totally different from you to making art, to making a film, to making photographs, to painting, to singing, um, 
And that's, you know, part of the reason why I'm doing this project is to highlight efforts in the community that will help to mend some of the the tears in the fabric of society that will help people who have been traumatized by, you know, some form or level of, of uh, oppression, um, so on and so forth. Um, looks like uh, Kimberly is joining us. I'm going to bring her in right now. Kimberly, you there? Hello. Hey, Kimberly, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Pretty good. Thanks for joining us. Um, Indeed. Tim and Chris, I want I want you to meet Kimberly. And Kimberly, if you could give just a brief introduction, bio, who you are, what you do, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so I'm a sociologist. Uh, I teach um, in a variety of um, outlets, community college, um, local prisons. Um, I focus on examining uh, ideas of nationalism and uh, particularly uh, uh, hierarchical relationships embedded in um, social constructs such as gender, race, class, um, citizenship, and the notions of belonging and mattering. Um, uh, In that light, this uh, topic is very interesting to me. Uh, It it, uh, puts a, a, a spotlight on the number of um, um, difficult difficulties that we have talking about these these constructs and these realities coherently, uh, primarily because we haven't been socialized to understand the variables that we're discussing. We end up kind of discussing feelings instead of uh, structure and um, uh, deliberate politics. Um, so thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad that you're um that you're here. And you're also you also served in the military. Oh, so right, you're, right. you're you're able forget, to forget that part. That. <laughs> so one of the things Yes, that, I, and I, I served uh, in the army. Right. Right, you did. And so one of the questions that I asked um the filmmakers today was about audiences and we talked a little bit about those folks who voted for Trump. But, you know, within that in that demographic, you know, obviously are folks who believe in the strong military, who believe in um, America showing strength abroad um, and have embraced sort of an aggress- ag- the aggressive approach that Donald Trump has taken to um, asserting our country's, you know, military strength and presence and leadership to other leaders. I mean, there's been some calls that, you know, media has reported is going terribly wrong. Um, so I'm wondering, you saw the, you saw the trailer, and you've been thinking about these questions. Um, how do you think veterans will respond to how um, this film turns the notion of patriotism on its head? Well, I, um, you know, it's, I, I always caution that I, of course, can't speak for every veteran. We're just as sure, diverse as exactly. any other population. Um, mm-hmm. But this veteran's opinion about what what um what I saw, uh, and and the relationship that I link between uh, refugees or immigrants and veterans, I think, are highly analogous. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there would be no need to talk about veterans being reintegrated into society if that wasn't an actual barrier to so-called coming home. 
So from the perspective of the patriot that's also Syrian-born, identifying what home is is so personal but so political. And um, identifying what it means to be patriotic um, tends to unfortunately rest in a, um, um, a tone that's more oriented toward violence than a tone that's oriented toward um, meaningful care of one's nation home. So mm-hmm. in, in, light of, in light of that, the tensions between and the relationships between uh, refugees and veterans, I think, are, 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 are pretty similar. And um, mm-hmm. when, when we think about it from that perspective, I think that what it means to be a patriot in a lot of ways comes with a lot of layers of pain, a lot of layers of having a sense of um, paid a debt, and um, a lot of layers of, um, if you will, entitlement to what this country home uh, promises. Those are some interesting points. So let's start with the idea of home. So we have Isaac, who obviously came here to make a home, and he has been pushed into a decision point to do something, which in fact helps to defend his place in this home. But then there are people who don't think that this is a home that sh- that he should be entitled to, that he should be able to continue to be at unless he's legal, unless he has his documentation. Uh, right? Is that is that right. fair, Tim? Is that a fair assessment? Yes. And if we want to look at it in, in that context, yes, that's fair. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, on the flip side, um, you know, folks who have served and, and I've encountered this through the work that I did who feel a sense of entitlement because of their service. What does the idea of service mean? Like if you, if you consider patriotism, you know, service could mean a lot of different things, right? It could mean Precisely. one act. It could mean, you know, serving over two years and a tour, several tours, being a career military right. personnel. So who gets to define this? That's a, that's a, I think that's a, a super a super question um, because it 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 forces each of us to think about where does the sense of entitlement originate when we talk about patriotism. And then if there is the presence of a sense of entitlement, what fuels it? What sustains it? I think that, I think that rather than, um, I think if we thought more broadly and said that I'm I'm entitled to, you know, basic creature comforts, I'm entitled to peace. I'm entitled to, I'm entitled to autonomy, that those would be really specific ways to get at it. But what does it mean to be entitled to citizenship? And what does it mean to be entitled to a home country? Mm-hmm. And does a veteran have more rights or fewer? Because in our rhetoric, a veteran has many more rights. But in our practices, veterans lead the way for homelessness, drug addictedness, and the VA is, though a very important institution, having a very difficult time taking care of its population. So what does it really mean to be a patriot? And, and uh, I, I love this puzzle because it, it does force us to think about the origins of a sense of entitlement. What, from whence does it come and how is it sustained? 
I think it, I think it definitely, um, you know, not to have a cop out answer here, but there is a, it, it's, it's a bit of a, to each of own. It's just like the promise of the American dream may be different for, you know, the person in service that's fighting for the American dream they believe in versus the, immigrant or refugee that's fighting for the American dream that they believe in. I, I think that sense of citizenship, a sense of belonging, um, isn't really up to one person, whether they're in office or a, a, another citizen or someone who's not a citizen to define that. Um, you know, I, I definitely think the U S uh, compared to other nations has that unique, uh, unique sense of belonging that it's really what you make of it. It's really not necessarily, what do you bring to this table? Why is this country a better place with you here or without you here? Um, I, I definitely think that you make your own sense of belonging. You find your own communities. You find uh, your own way to, your, for your voice to be heard. I agree with that. I, I do, particularly with the to each his own part. But I, I would have to um, depart from that when considering how much of our lived experience, for example, the American dream, one Americans dream is another Americans absolute nightmare and it's important to realize there is a dialectical relationship between the notions of a dream and a better tomorrow and who that better tomorrow is envisioned for yeah I agree with that I feel like um, you have these overlapping circles of community and they often meet up in moments of tension and one community gets to define and enforce whether or not another community is living up to a certain set of, of standards or, or, or values or, and then something ensues and something happens as a, as a result of that. And I think that's what we're living through today. And I wonder, I'm hoping that this, this, this project will get a conversation started about these questions because true, ideally, I think you, you know, America ideally says, you know, you come here and make it, or if you were born here, you can make it, but the reality is is vastly different, and that's part of the reason why I brought up the idea of two Philadelphias. You have a Philadelphia that is thriving, that is, is on the move, that is um, becoming a fantastic place to live for a lot of people, but for other people, not so much. You know, we have um, very disturbing rates of deep poverty, and I'm talking about people who are poorer than poor. <laughs> Um, we have a school system that is, is, is doing a dismal job of educating thousands of, 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 of people in this city, forcing people who have means to go elsewhere and choose other options. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, education is a pathway to the American dream. And when it's failing and you have, you know, certain people deciding, well, this is, uh, this is the way the education system is going to be. I'm going to disinvest that has a direct impact on those communities that have to interact with that system. So, you know, although these, these community hubs exist, they coexist and they sometimes come together, they clash. And I'm hoping that this film will not only challenge notions of patriotism, but how we, how we live our lives as actors in this nation, but also how we interact as actors in this nation. The, I mean, is that, does that make sense? You know, I think one of the, one of the there's, there's a very important scene halfway through the film where 
and I'd probably say that this took me the longest to write, um, mm-hmm. where Isaac is with his wife, Antonia, in a very private moment in the, uh, the, the main setting of the, of the film. And they're speaking Arabic to each other. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, just, it's, a, it's a private moment that we get to experience um, as the audience. And it's really talking about Isaac's desire. He's not a citizen yet. He believes in this dream, this kind of undefined dream. And, she, and, and he, he knows that by going after that, by chasing it, there is a certain element to it that requires him to kind of bring down the walls and work with people that he's not comfortable working with. Um, and then there's the Antonia, who's, who's basically the voice of caution in this film, even though she believes in what he's doing. Um, so there, there's, there's, a, there's a moment there where they're, they're, they're kind of, they're getting very, very close to identifying from their perspective what it takes, what the American dream is. That, you know, mm-hmm. the beginning of the film, Isaac, it, it, like Chris was saying earlier, it's the streets are paved with gold. It's that 1950s propaganda of the family outside the single home kind of thing. And it's more about moving into other circles that you're not comfortable with, per se, but having those conversations, having that dialogue and working together um, to kind of achieve a kind of a bigger, a bigger definition of what the dream could be. Mm-hmm. Kimberly had to run. She she let me know that she had to get off the call. But I think she raised a number of important questions. And I like the idea of you kind of bringing the viewers into this very private moment to see something that happens in living rooms and bedrooms all across the country. You know, people having discussions about how to survive and how to thrive in this nation. And that's that's powerful because like you said, Chris, there are some countries that you can't have these conversations, man. You just, you know, there, there are things that we take for granted here in the United States that are not even on the table. Um, so I'm hoping that this project serves as a reminder to people <laughs> that just like we have these freedoms and these rights and these entitlements, you know, they can be taken away if we're not vigilant, we're not watchful, if we're not careful if we're not discerning um and the slide to where we are has you know started many years ago you know this sort of strain of anti-intellectualism this strain of not being interested in science and reason and facts and um you know how much do you think that plays into um the storyline of your project Chris, do you want to tackle that one? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I, without giving too much of the story away, I, I definitely think um, some of the, really just some of the personal interactions like you're talking about, I, I think uh, even with, uh, with in my home, it, we've never really chatted much about politics. It's not that closed-door conversation about um, Hey, how is this affecting us? How is this, uh, it, you know, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, with, mm-hmm. with everything going on now, I, I definitely think it's a daily conversation. There's, you know, something happens in the news and it's kind of like, can you believe this? What's happening? Um, I, 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 I really, I, I, I want to say, uh, and this is a bold statement, but I, I don't think there's anyone that's not affected by things that are 
that are going on. It's hard to hard to live in a bubble here, um, you know, to and, and not kind of um, see the, see the effects of uh, of decisions being made. So I, I definitely think that those conversations, like talk about personal interactions and the, and the like, hopefully, kind of just uh, don't necessarily just happen behind those those closed doors and people are more likely to engage in some dialogue. Um, and, you know, there'll be, there are going to be some disagreements along the way. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's, like you said, there are people taking sides and people, um, people kind of being divided and, and, and really uh, kind of speaking their mind. But um, I, I definitely think it's worth having that healthy debate, um, you know, not necessarily go in there and try to convince one person of your own views or vice versa, but, to just really see part of the other side of, of what makes, uh, you know, what makes the, these decisions and how it affects us. Um, I was actually just talking to Tim yesterday about uh, the script and kind of how our, how our, um, you know, really there's two sides of the coin here. There's Isaac, the uh, protagonist and Hollister, who is the kind of our, I guess, corrupt politician, who's the uh, antagonist and mm-hmm. really trying to, uh, paint a human picture and, and not just be so uh, heavy handed on one side. And we both agreed that, you know, we can't just uh, make this antagonist, the, uh, you know, this, this villain that no one can relate with. Um, I, I do think it's it, with all things, it's kind of, it is worth it to kind of see the other side sometimes to just hear them out, but other times just to kind of affirm your own, your own beliefs and opinions that uh, they're, you're not going to know this unless you kind of go out there and, have these dialogues, have these discussions, and uh, have have some healthy debate. I think after you get all the sh- after you get past all the shouting, past all the the anger, there is a conversation to be had. And while these are conversations that are happening in you know homes and and, and private conversations, I hope those healthy debate uh, you know happened on the political level uh, with those uh, that are in service, those that are representing the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that brings me to you know, I know when Tim Tim you and I talked about um the responses that you've been getting from people who identify as right-leaning versus left-leaning, um particularly on social media and sort of that dovetailing with this increasingly polarized climate in which we're living in. Your project trying to challenge people to kind of come out from where they stand on this issue even though it's not a politicized film, it's a film about a man really trying to, you know, live his life and do it in a way that, that, that is courageous, right? And so you can be courageous regardless of your political affiliation, but yet these sides are kind of like locked into these, you know, ideological sort of notions of what it means to be conservative and all these values ascribed to that and then all the values ascribed to being a progressive. And how do you unlock that? And how have people been responding based on their political affiliation to this, to this project? So one of the things I think is really important when we look at, um, and Tishka, a lot of your work is, is calling attention to uh, the folks in the art community, um, just, it, just in the community in general who are, really trying to keep this dialogue going and create mm-hmm. something that people can come together for. Um, mm-hmm. but one of the most powerful things about film um, is that you're dealing with an emotional experience. I think, you know, when, when you look at the ideologies that, that 
can completely destroy a family dinner. Uh, and you know, <laughs> yeah. they, they have, they have mine via, via Facebook. Believe me, there are some rifts and, and, um, an extended family of mine that, uh, have been forged after this election. Um, mm. but there is a, um, walls go up immediately when you talk about this idea of where you stand on things. There's an into, we're having that intellectual conversation. Um, mm-hmm. it, and I think that is, that's important to have, but where we are right now, this is to me where art plays an absolutely essential role because what it does mm-hmm. is it creates, doesn't tell you what to think. doesn't right. tell you completely challenge you to say, your idea is wrong. My idea is right. It takes you through an emotional journey. And a lot of times what I think the, the beautiful thing about film is that it breaks down the intellectual side, at least a good film will, um, mm-hmm. and brings you into a human experience that when you're going along that journey with them and you feel the empathy and you're with the main character and you're going through the struggles that they're going through, when you come out the tail end of it, the hope is that the walls and the intellectual walls have been brought down a little bit and you mm-hmm. just went through an experience with them. You come out of that and those questions start to happen. Now the walls mm-hmm. look right back up again. They're like, nah, I'm, yeah. that. I'm just going to go off and do my, my thing that I've been doing for, you know, since I've been born. But uh, mm-hmm. if we can get just a, a momentary glimpse from our audience to just have a momentary pause and mm-hmm. say, you know what? Maybe, Maybe our, our immigrant friends um, are, have a story here. They, have, they share desires that I have. They mm-hmm. want for their family what I want for my family. Um, yes. And if we can achieve that, just that little spark of an inception of an idea that, that, could, that could, that's possible, I would consider that a big win for us. Um, I, I don't mm-hmm. want to ram political rhetoric down their throats. I don't want to say you should be yeah. making this. Uh, that is very important to me that we don't cross that line. Um, yes. And again, yeah, Chris and I are having those conversations too. And it's, um, it's surprisingly very easy or not surprisingly very easy to write in the caricatures that we've been experiencing in the media. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's very important that any artist, filmmaker, painter, photographer, uh, allows the audience to breathe and kind of experience this on an emotional level. And that's what resonated with me about this project is that you did exactly the things that I believe in as an artist is allowing the art to have entry points for people to experience the questions that we're asking to, you know, to kind of grapple with on their own. Like, I don't want to be the one to tell them this or that or A or B or C. You know, they need to have that internal dialogue with themselves first and foremost, and then hopefully they'll have the curiosity to go out and maybe engage in the same or similar conversations with other people. And then that spreads and hopefully, you know, change happens. But the change starts with each person that experiences the art. And, and um, that's why I think this project is so important. And I, I really, I want to have you guys come back um, once you're all done with the, the Kickstarter and production and you're all, you know, you're submitting everything, people are seeing it. I want you to come back and talk to me a little bit about 
you know, the journey has, how it continued and, and what you're, what you're hearing from people and um, so on and so forth. Would, would you be willing to do that? Absolutely. Uh, you know, thanks for okay. the, thanks for the support and the belief in the project, but yeah, it would be great to um, come back and, uh, you know, after everything has been made and uh, we're perhaps on the road promoting the film just to kind of check in and, and see where we are yeah. in terms of, uh, the support behind the project, the uh, how production went and everything else. Um, it's, an, it's been an exciting mm-hmm. journey for us, so um, definitely thank you for the opportunity today to kind of chat about it. Yeah, this has been great. Um, so we have about 10 minutes or so left. So just you know, just plug it. Go ahead and plug your, plug your film, plug the Kickstarter. Where can people find out more about all of the above and more? So uh, for... Um... For your listeners, uh, it's, it's americanoshortfilm.com. Uh, so it's, it's, that's essentially going to take you directly to our, our Kickstarter project, and there you'll okay. be able to see um, our, our pitch to you as mm-hmm. someone who might be interested in backing the project. Um, there are some testimonials from our actors and our cinematographer on there. Mm-hmm. Um, as well to kind of, so it, you know, just take my word for it. A, a lot of them, I wanted to really capture the reaction that I was, that Chris and I were hearing from them. This was not something mm-hmm. that we were saying, you know, here's your script, go out and, and talk about the project to, um, to raise, help us raise funds. This was something that I kept hearing over and over again when they would see the project. Um, mm-hmm. Even when we put the casting call out, there was an immediate response to, a lot of the characters we had I, just for one character alone, we had a thousand applications uh, for the one role. Wow. And a lot of it was just people messaging us saying this, I, I want to be a part of this project. I'll take the pay mm-hmm. cut, whatever you need me to do. I'll be a part of it. Um, so, I mean, it's just been a tremendously positive response. And it's mm-hmm. as, as we've been working more and more with them, we've locked them in. Uh, I've just it, through casual conversations, I've been hearing them talk about it. I'm like, you know what? Could you do me a favor and just capture 60 seconds of that? Just I'd love to, for you to, you know, it's great that I'm hearing this, but I want folks who don't know about the film to hear it because it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's important coming from you as well. Uh, so that's that's mm-hmm. on the page, um, and we've been really putting out a lot of um, very genuine content around um, our immigration story, our our kind of our, our, our resistance uh, spirit that, that it kind of grows through the film. So there's been content like that. And Chris and I have been very careful uh, to not really be, you know, out there begging for money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although in this case we are in fact asking for money. Um, but I think <laughs> it's, it's really important to, it, we, we want to bring folks into the conversation really first. And uh, just sharing that out has been, has been so important. Um, and, you know, if, if they're inspired by the story like we were, that would be the next step and, so, you know, really kind of get behind it. And the cool thing about, the, about being a background project like this and, or any Kickstarter or any Indiegogo or any crowdfunding campaign is that you're, you know, by being a backer, you are becoming as important as someone on the film. You're as important yeah. as an actor, as, as me or Chris, right behind the camera. Like, this mm-hmm. is something we want you there with us. So there's going to be a lot of exclusive stuff that we're going to give you. We're going to give you access to the set via live stream. We're going to give you um, insider look at how we're making the film. So while we realize the, the story is important, we're going to, I think going through the experience of making a film is something that has always been a bit of a, um, 
mysterious experience. So we're going to mm-hmm. really open that up to folks who really want to see it. And that's all for, um, for backers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just really been kind of, kind of our, our, our key thing is, is the story and then being there for our backers because it's really not possible. This film is not possible without them. If we don't reach our goal by February 28th, there's no film. Um, and I think it's all or nothing. All or nothing. And I hate to see all or nothing. I hate to see this project not not get put into the into the ether um, and, and be part of of our national dialogue. I, th- I think it'd be a mistake. Um, so I, I think wow. I'm hoping that you know everyone americanoshortfilm.com and um, kind of look at the story and you know if it's something that you react to. Uh, there is a plethora of rewards and incentives on on the right side of the screen. And mm-hmm. um, Chris and I are more than happy to um, kind of bring you into the fold as we go through this. What about Facebook? You're on Facebook. You're on Instagram. You're on, uh, is there a Twitter? There's a Twitter, right? There's, I know you you guys are on Twitter, but is yeah. the project itself on Twitter? Is okay, I can't remember. It's so much stuff. <laughs> there is, yeah, and, and that's the reason why we. I actually did not activate a Twitter account for this. So it's there's Chris and I are on Twitter, um, right. but the main two channels are are Facebook and and Instagram. If you, if you uh, search both of them, it's Americano Film, and you'll be able to find uh, both pages. And that's something we're we're pretty mm-hmm. active with. Um, and then next week we're going to probably be going live. We'll do a live stream to, to uh, in the last stretch of the campaign, which we're we're going to release that date soon. Okay. Well, definitely keep me in the loop on that as well, and I can push push out stuff on Instagram as well. Um, all or nothing. That's that's brave. I I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> and I did. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't. No, I couldn't just walk away. You know. Anyway, I wish you guys the best of luck. You guys have. Um, you're, you're making strides with your crowdfunding. I hope that you reach your goal. I'm, I'm confident that you will reach your goal. Um, we're just going to put it in the universe and claim it. This film needs to get made. Philly needs to, you know, be able to say it was made here. <laughs> um, Absolutely. You know what I mean? It, it, it needs to be, it needs to be on a national stage in this conversation. Um, as a place that is, you know, thinking about these questions that is uh, fostering artistic um, content, you know, um, supporting artists who are, who are trying to um, enhance and deepen this conversation. Um, you know, the more, the more the city can do that, the better I think it is for all of us who um, engage in artistic endeavors here. Um Anything else you want to share before we, we wrap up? I mean, definitely. Any last uh, words? Thankful and grateful for, for all the support and um, any any support that will come in the form of a, a donation through Kickstarter. But if there's a, a, anything else uh, in terms of uh, a dialogue or uh, any other even in-kind support for the film that, um, you know, anyone local here listening in, in Philadelphia is uh, – willing to offer we'll, we'll, we definitely um love to chat with you connect with us through the social media channels um you know while our uh right now our, our agenda is the kickstarter that's the first and foremost uh thing for us to kind of make sure we achieve all or nothing um yes. definitely please connect with us on on social media um and like i said just thankful and grateful for the opportunity to chat with 
you and, and your listeners today, Tishka. Thank you. Thank you so much. So with that said, um, I think we're done. Um, I really appreciate you both taking the time, um, um, you know, from the time that you all reached out to me to, to today, you know, I was really um, excited about making this special happen and getting the word out about this project. And hopefully that, you know, this will, you know, um, be heard by people who will be moved to support it in any way that they can, particularly with the Kickstarter, though. Kickstarter first, everything else later. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like I said, I would love to have you guys come back, um, you know, in the near future, maybe later this spring um, or in the summer to talk about how things are going since we last chatted. I think that would be great great way to kind of uh, bring people back into the circle. Excellent. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for, for coming on. And um, I'll let you guys go. And I'm going to do one quick promo for next week again. Um, Perfect. So, everybody, um, next week, again, in, uh, I'm inviting uh, Ingrid Shepard, who is the executive director and founder of the One Less Foundation, to talk with me about um, the work that she's doing in the Philadelphia, in the greater Philadelphia area around anti-poverty, financial education, financial literacy. And we'll be talking a little bit about the impact of Trump's policies on work that is currently being done to support and improve the quality of life of people living in vulnerable communities. Um, So I hope you'll join me um, next Friday, uh, February 24th at 12 noon here on Blog Talk Radio. Um, This is the Voices for Racial Healing podcast. Um, Thanking Tim Viola and Chris Mendoza today for coming on. I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week. And in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Heal Racism USA. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at I am Tishka Smith. You can get information on Instagram about Voices for Racial Healing at racismisasickness.com. The website for this project, Voices for Racial Healing, is voicesforracialhealing.com. My website is tishkasmith.com. If you want to follow me on social media, you can link there to all of my um, accounts on social media. Wishing you all a great weekend. Thank you very much and see you next week.